Hey, welcome to the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Glad you found us for another season. Really hope you enjoyed the guests that we have today. Take a listen. Reach out if you want some more information. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the learn. Hopefully you get better from this. The Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast is a big fan of cookies. I'm excited to announce the podcast now has an official cookie sponsor, Texas Treaties. Texas Treaties is a Dallas-based custom cookie company that can design and decorate any shape and color combo you can think of. Not only do they look amazing, they taste great also. Texas Treaties is offering Dallas area listeners a special 10% off promo. Use the code podcast at checkout. Link to order will be in the show notes. If you are in the market for fine men's wear, i.e. suits, shirts, ties, etc., you need to check out Etiquette Dawn. I personally have several pieces from him, and every time I wear them, I feel confident, well-dressed, and I receive many compliments. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you look, looking like a sharp-dressed man. Check out www.etiquettedawncustomapparel.com for more information. Make sure to follow them on Instagram and TikTok at Etiquette Dawn as well. All coaches have their go-to drink for waking up and getting their energy boosted. For me, that's coffee. I prefer black coffee, so that means buying high-quality beans so that I can grind and brew them at home and enjoy my cups of happiness. Viking Coffee is my go-to company for a monthly subscription of great variety of beans that produce excellent cups time after time. Podcast listeners, use the code COFFEEWITHNOONAN, all one word, for a 10% discount off. Check out www.vikingcoffeeco.com for more details and to order the official coffee of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Drink coffee, work hard. In this episode, I talk with the Director of Sports Performance and Nutrition for Mesquite ISD, Blake Cundiff. Coach Cundiff and I had the pleasure of working together when he and I both joined Mesquite ISD in 2016. Prior to coming to Mesquite ISD, Coach Cundiff spent several seasons as the head strength conditioning coach for the Texas State football team. During his 22-year career in the strength conditioning field, Coach Cundiff has trained a wide variety of athletes ranging from high school football, baseball, and hockey players to NFL, NHL, and MLB stars, such as Pro Football Hall of Fame members Troy Aikman, Larry Allen, Michael Irvin, Deion Sanders, and Emmett Smith. He also trained NHL All-Star Brett Hull. Coach Cundiff joined Texas State's staff after serving as the strength conditioning coach at Albany from 2008 to April 2011, where he worked with the football and basketball teams and serving as the executive sports performance director at Velocity Sports Performance in Missouri City, Texas from March of 2007 to July of 2008. He was also an associate director of the strength conditioning at Minnesota, where he was involved with all aspects of the Golden Gopher football strength program from 2005 to 2007. Prior to his stint in Minnesota, Coach Cundiff was an assistant strength conditioning coach for the Dallas Cowboys from 1997 to 2000. Dallas advanced to the playoffs twice during his tenure before coaching in the NFL. Coach Cundiff spent four years in as, as an assistant strength coach at North Texas from 1993 to 97 and was the head strength coach for the Grapevine High School football program for two years. His experience also includes being the owner and director of Pro Star Sports Performance. 
In addition, he served as the strength coach for the 1994 and 1995 Emmett Smith football camps and as the director of strength conditioning for the 1995 Dallas Stars junior hockey camp. He was also a speed, strength, and conditioning consultant for the Dallas Stars. As a Texas native, Coach Cundiff is a member of the National Strength and Conditioning Association and earned a bachelor's degree in kinesiology with emphasis in exercise physiology and injury rehabilitation at North Texas in 1995. He also received an associate's degree in business management at Mountain View College. Coach Cundiff and I talk about the SNC industry pretty in depth. Enjoy today's episode, and if you want to reach out to Coach and talk more, please email him at ccundiff at mesquiteisd.org. It'll be linked in the show notes. On today's episode, I finally locked down the man, the myth, the legend. He's a little elusive, but uh, I'm glad I get to spend time talking with the, the director of sports performance for Mesquite ISD, Blake Cundiff. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Like I say, it's uh, kind of a, a pleasure to be talking to you. It's, it's, it's nice to know that uh, you guys care about us old characters. <laughs> Man, you're, you're not that old. Uh, <laughs> I, we, we won't have to. We, I'm sure at some point you'll kind of date yourself as we go through this and people will figure out how old you are. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, we were talking before we officially hit record, you know, kind of for you right now in, in, in the direction in which you're trying to take the, the athletic programs in, in your district from where you entered in, uh, where are we at now? About We're five years in, five years in. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say five years in. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and, and just, you were talking about how you were kind of in the middle of this old school, switching over to, to new school or, you know, kind of resurfacing some old school ideas in the new school way of thinking, you know, kind of take us through this transition and, and what you kind of hope to um, project into the future and maybe in the next five years. Yeah. I mean, literally, I mean, you can almost, you can almost trace it by um, the evolution of our titles as crazy as that sounds, uh, my first year as a strength coach was 1992. I won't slip up and tell you how old I was, but let's just say I'd already <laughs> retired from being a player and having my bit from having my own business for many years before I decided to be a strength coach. But like our titles have changed to reflect, I think the change in the base of knowledge and what it entails to be a strength coach these days, you know, cause I, I, we always laugh because, you know, for the first five or six years of my career, you know, the coaches would come back, Oh, there's the weight coach. There's the weight coach. There's the weight coach, you know, and then it finally became the strength coach and then the strength and conditioning coach. And now, you know, I really like the title that they're using um, now more in this in, in sports performance, right? Because a, a lot of the, and again, most of my experience has been at the college level, but if, even at the college level, 65, 75% of those jobs are mid-majors or small schools. And so your job is all-encompassing. You are the nutritionist. You are the, you know, the strength and conditioning coach. You are the leadership team building development kind of deal. So 
again, I like, I like the evolution of it. Uh, and again, there's a huge need for it to evolve as we went, because obviously the athletes are different than they were in 1992 and the sports are different. You and I talked about this, probably one of the first two or three conversations we ever had was it, it's not three yards in a cloud of dust anymore. So, you know, we're requiring our kids on the, like I always talk about football terms, but we're requiring our big kids to do little kid things these days. You know, you're going to pull and you're going to go and you're going second and third levels where you're, we're asking you to do stuff that they didn't ask you to do. It used to just be lean on somebody, push them off the deal. And like I say, three yards in a cloud of dust is, is long gone. So yeah, I, I it is certainly evolved into more, uh, uh, I won't say more scientific because the scientific part of it has never changed. The, the certifications I took in 1992 from the physiology, from the physiological standpoint, um, hasn't changed, right? Um, the, the anatomy and physiology hasn't changed. The biomechanics haven't changed, but your, the product you're working with and your end goal certainly needs to be more involved than it was back when I started in 92. Yeah. The, uh, it's funny you talk about the biomechanics, the physiology hasn't changed. I, uh, go down these rabbit holes and on social media and you, you try to <laughs> weed out the nonsense. You try to help people and educate people. And, and I went down a, a TikTok um, rabbit hole and this guy literally claimed to, to be able to, in, to change the insertion point on his, on his muscles, on his oh, muscles. Yes. And literally there's all kinds, there's, there's kinesiology, exercise science, personal trainers, everybody's trying to explain to him, like, no, you just can't naturally change your insertion point. Like that's a, that's, that's the way you're anatomically created. The only thing that's that you it. can change is if a doctor comes in with a knife and that's different. And he's trying to like, Oh, but I can do this. I've got these secrets. I'm like, there's no secrets. No, like, no it, programming has, you know, it's funny. Everybody goes round and round about what the kind of best programming is and what age should you start putting weight on a kid in terms of a barbell and things like that. Um, and debunking those, those myths of, of weightlifting, stunting growth. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, there's just stuff that has, has withstood the test of time that, uh, you have to incorporate, you know, to me, that's, um, sit-ups, uh, you know, I, I know they get a little bit of a knock, but I think it's, it's just a way to learn how to move your body. Uh, but push-ups and pull-ups for sure. Uh, I, I've seen a bigger resurgence in, in people emphasizing pull-ups, um, than I think I've ever seen, you know, everybody yep. always talk about push-ups cause you want to, is you want to see how much you can bench, um, but but you need that ability to go on the other side and, and see how much you can pull you pull up. Um, you know, no, not, no question. And no that question. stuff dates back to to Charles Poliquin, and and you know that that's that's right in your wheelhouse of time, comparative to to the guys that I've talked to recently, who are you know in their thirties and twenties, talking about guys like Charles, um, you know the stuff that Arnold was doing. And I think people forget about the base of strength that a guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger had, yes. you know, we get caught up in yes. the aura of his bodybuilding, but 
the sucker was already strong before he started just chiseling away. There, there's no doubt about it. And here's, and I'm glad you said that because as a, as a player, and again, <laughs> back in my era, and again, we won't not, we're not even 92 doesn't even cut it back even further than that. I, I was a baseball player. And if we got caught into, if we got caught in the weight room, we were in trouble, right? It was just, that was, it was just off limits. But as I started getting involved in this and strength and conditioning, because I was an exercise, phys, kinesiology, sports, um, sports medicine field of study, I realized that the biomechanics and the balance that a bodybuilder used in their program, like they're going to hit every muscle from every different angle. So their antagonistic muscles are going to be developed just as much as, you know, we always talk about uh, when I first started programming, I was taught, listen, push, pull, push, pull, push, pull. There's got to be balance in that deal. I didn't realize it at the time, you know, cause I, I was a big power lifter at the time, but I was also still playing adult sports at 30 something years old, playing adult baseball, playing uh, beer league hockey. I didn't realize how front side dominant I had become just by pushing heavyweights. I didn't have a deficit in the lower body because I was squatting, right? And I was doing RDLs. So I was developing that whole system, but from a push pull standpoint, I wouldn't, sure I was pulling, but I wasn't pulling, pulling enough to balance what was happening. And I ended up getting front side dominant and it caused shoulder problems as I was throwing the baseball, you know, because I was front side dominant. There was nothing to decelerate the backside you know, and I tell my baseball coaches all the time, they're going to develop the shoulder problems, not from the throwing motion, the acceleration of the muscle. They're going to get it from the deceleration of the muscle because the backside, the backside, the deceleration part of it, there's not muscle strength back there to decelerate that force. Yeah. You know? And I go, that's, that's more scientific. You know, I try to say that I, that's more scientific than you'll ever hear me get, hear me get but I understand the concept and I've always understood the concept that there has to be balance in what you're doing. And like you say, they, they, that doesn't, it doesn't matter whether it's body weight exercises, like, like I say, we're, we're big on our developmental kids is we're going to do push-ups correctly. And then we're going to do what we call the inverted row where they're just taking the bar in that same position. They use it to bench press in and making them, again, force them into a plank position so we get two for one out of it. We get core stability out of it. And then pulling the bar to your chest. Yeah, Just man. Taking the exact antagonistic move, movement and put it into the program. As simple as it seems, that's what works. Yeah, I call them fat boy pull-ups. I love yes. that. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and, and you, and, you and I always, you know, and, and people in our community laugh about it because – we go in and we put these weight rooms together and, and the coaches will come in and go, well, what about lap pulls? We don't have enough lap pulls. We got 20 racks in here. What do you mean we don't have enough lap pulls? <laughs> we're we're going to pull. They can't do pull-ups. We're going to pull from different angles out of this rack right here. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I get you. 
<laughs> yeah, no, we don't we don't have any rack pulls in our current weight room at Hendrickson, but we have gotten creative in terms of how we do lap pulls with bands, sure. uh, inverted rows, uh, you know, just just some some form of pulling motion, you know, and that goes back to to the old school guys. Um, and you look at how much like a like a West Side barbell, you know, I didn't understand just how much they dedicate to uh, back work. Absolutely. All, you know, top to bottom. It's not just um, the deadlifting and the squatting. It's the bat, like you said, to balance out the bench, but just how much that helps your, you know, the stronger your back is just how much better it helps everything in life. Your, your posture, your absolutely hell, your confidence. You know, I tell these, these guys in the weight room all the time. I'm like, you, you, you read all the magazines, uh, that you want, but the statistics say, you know, the, that, that you want that chiseled V it starts with a bigger, wider back. And that's what, yep. that's, what's going to get you a little bit more attracted is, is that back. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a reason why everybody points to, uh, that silver back physique yes. uh, and why it's so sought after in, in the, uh, strength in the strength world. You're, you're exactly right. Cause like I say, once I understood that concept from my own personal standpoint, you know, still training like a, like a maniac, even when I was, you know, early in the strength coach days is like, I realized then after powerlifting prior to being a strength coach, what those deficiencies were and attack those deficiencies. And like you say, you dramatically change at that point, then bench becomes easier because your stabilization is better. You know, just the whole your squats are better because you have the ability from that erector part of it to be stronger back there. So your your legs were always going to be strong enough to push that weight. You just weren't strong enough. To, I wasn't strong enough to hold it in some of those heavier lifts when it came time to heavy squat that day. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I it, it it is no matter what you talk about, what kind of programming you're talking about what era we're talking about in strength and conditioning that is the foundation for the pyramid that cannot be skipped can't no doubt well let's let's rewind a little bit and let's talk about how you got in you know i know you mentioned in college you know you were your exercise science kines you know but kind of why did you decide to go into strength conditioning versus let's say um, just like a, a sport coach um, and kind of that evolution of things. Um, man, and I got, like I say, I, I, I can answer that in a heartbeat. I played multiple sports, right? I think people in my generation and, and, and even the younger generations plays multiple sports. I played baseball, I played softball, I played football, I played basketball, I skied. Um, and I love sports. I wasn't great at any of them, you know, but I was I was always a good athlete and I always participated, always got to play. Um, but was never gonna be that outstanding athlete that really propelled themselves into the next level. I had to work for it. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and tell myself at 16 years old, and I think you and I had this conversation, at 16 years old, I was 5'2", 120 pounds. 
So yeah, when I started making a transition to high school, yeah, I had to start picking my sports. <laughs> you know, I found out that, yeah, I could play baseball and really not get pummeled. And I could go to the golf course when we weren't playing baseball and I could win money from, from the football players at the golf course, you know, but, um, that, that the choice of becoming a strength coach, because again, once I started really getting into the powerlifting that, and that part of it, I thought, you know what, I want to coach, I want to be involved in sports, but back in those days, most strength coaches maybe had, and even at major universities, had maybe one or two assistants, and they dealt with every sport. And I, that that intrigued me. I, I could have been a baseball coach. There's no question about it. My grandfather played professional baseball. My dad played semi-pro, and I played baseball. I could have coached baseball. But there was something alluring about getting to work with those other sports that I wanted to do, that was first and foremost. And second of all, and this is foreign and it completely changed in the course of my career, all my friends and mentors who were strength coaches didn't live a transient lifestyle that we live these days. Like the strength coach that I worked for first had been at the university, University of New Mexico for 25 years. And it didn't matter who the football coach was. It didn't matter who the basketball coach was. He was the strength and conditioning coach he was part of the administrative staff and all that kind of stuff. And we have, we had gotten away from that. And I, that home meant a lot to me, you know, staying close to Dallas. And so when I got the job at North Texas, I, I thought, you know, this is going to be a forever deal. Little did I know that it was going to transition into, well, I need to bring my guy in and you packing up and moving with them or getting out of the business. So, that's that was the the other part of it but the major part of it was like i just i i love working with all the sports yeah you know it, it's it's interesting and you bring that up <clears throat> because of the collegiate guys that i follow and and, and actually have the opportunity to, to have conversations with um you just it's it it's crazy to see their career uh, and, and the different pla places they've been. But at the same time, you know, there is a sense of um, loyalty and at least a sense of appreciation that you have this bond with, you know, a head coach. Obviously, the football is, is, is running the show for the most part, and especially yep. at a lot of these major yep. universities. So when you're talking about bringing in my guy, you're talking about bringing in the guy for football that potentially oversees it for everything. Um, so, you know, you look at when a, when a new head coach comes in and, and they bring in their, their people, you know, they're bringing in probably an offensive defensive coordinator and then the next next person they're bringing in outside of another position coach, probably oh, offensive line is is strength conditioning, um, yes. because yes, there's uh, it's not only just what they do from a programming standpoint, it's what they do from a culture enhancing standpoint. You oh, know, it's how you address the weight room and how you do things in the weight room should complement what it is that you're trying to do in that regard. And I know we were talking about it earlier, just, you know, trying to create and build that, that foundation at the younger levels 
but so that they've got a better appreciation for getting stronger and getting to the weight room. So those guys are, those guys and girls are very important in terms of when they get brought in and how they infuse themselves into the atmosphere of the university. Yeah, no. And I agree. I agree a hundred percent. The thing that, that, that makes it tolerable now is, and again, you hit the nail around the head because every, every head coach, even for the last 25 years has said the same thing when it comes to their staff, you know, my offensive and defensive coordinators are the two most, most important guys on my football staff, but my most, my third or my set, my first most important guy is my strength and conditioning coach because he's with them more. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I appreciate the nod. I don't want to give any of the young strength coaches a wrong impression that, that your job is going to pay you six figures because the reality of it is you got power fives and you got everybody else. There's still those jobs out there that you're going to make, you know, 60, $70,000 and you've got 14 sports and one assistant and one GA and one student worker. And I, and I, and I think that makes you grow, right? I think that makes you strong in those deals. Um, but you know, if your first job that you are lucky to land, um, and you're getting paid $120,000 as a third assistant at a major university, you can get kind of jaded. And, and then when that one comes to an end, you might not be able to go with that staff. And then now it's a scramble to, to have the, the ability, um, the experience, to sell yourself in an interview for that next job. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's um, a little bit of the, in terms of not getting so jaded is it, definitely on you and in understanding the opportunity that you're at presently, but it's a little bit also on, on the people that you're around and, and, you know, those people that you're leaning on for, for mentorship to, to help you stay uh, in perspective and, you know, especially if you're getting mentored by an older, an older coach who's been around for, for 20 plus years, who has paid his or her dues at those, you know, uh, $30,000 jobs working with so many and, and having so little um, to where they're at now and having the appreciation for it. You know, it's, I, I've talked with other coaches who, in terms of just a sport coach, who've only ever coached at a big five, a or big six, a, yes. or, you know, the, the elite, uh, four a's that have everything under the sun for them. You know, you, you get spoiled and you don't understand that the rest of the rest of the state, the rest of the country does not have anything close to what you have on a daily basis. Uh, and I'm not just talking about talent because there's talent at, at every level, but the amenities, the booster club, the, um, you know, just, just those other intangible things that you don't realize that come along with being at a big time place, whether it's a high school or college, um, you know, and then, you know, you spent time in the NFL. So I'm sure that that, that was a whole new world uh, that, that you probably couldn't exactly get prepared for uh, get at, you know, even when you were at North Texas and Texas state. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had absolutely, that would never entered into my mind. Number one, 
luckily, and again, I, I was not a young person when I started in this business. Because again, I, I uh, owned and operated my own business and had, you know, 50 something employees all through my 20s, right? I started my business very early and was successful. And when it came time for me to have the, the, the that yearn to coach um, was always there. But like I said, I just really didn't want to coach baseball. I didn't want to kind of get into that. And it could just kind of funnel me, not really funnel me, but it's kind of led me to the strength and conditioning part. And what that allowed me to do was, all right, I'll go ahead and do it. So at 32 years old, my first job in 92, you guys can kind of put that together. I might have even been older than that. I don't know. But I had the ability and I had the means when I sold my business to put myself into school and I could afford to work for $2,500 a semester. You know, and so every place I went after that, it was never about, and it never would have been about money for me because I was doing what I love to do, you know? And so that's never really even come up for me when it comes time for the interview process or applying for jobs and stuff like that. It's just like, you know, it's the old rodeo uh, adage they use on to the next one, Jack, you know, I mean, I'm going where the job jobs are because that's what I do. And I feel like I'm really good at it. I don't want to sound conceited, but I, I feel like I'm, especially after all years, I'm good at what I do. So it doesn't matter where I go. Cause I've been in those interviews. They say, well, you know, you're, you're used to being at the big 10 and making this kind of money and that kind of fans. And I'm like, that's not what I've ever been in it for. If that was what I was in it for, I would never would have left the NFL. Right. But the only reason I ended up in the NFL was cause I was going on to another college job and that college coach happened to get the job at Dallas. And I just, U turned with him and went to Dallas with him. Never with the intentions of being a NFL strength coach. I just wanted to be a strength coach in college. I want to be a head strength coach in college. That was my whole goal. And of course, when I left the Cowboys, that's what I ended up doing. So you, like I say, it's just, I think it's, I think it's part of personality. I think it's, again, your upbringing and what you come from and stuff like that to be able to separate yourself. Cause listen, I could have got as jaded as anybody being involved with the Cowboys at that time. Cause we, we could go anywhere, do anything, anytime, any place. And somebody's going to know you and somebody's going to buy your dinner. Or you're going to do it. It's just, you know, even though <laughs> I came in a year after the last Super Bowl, thanks coach switcher for waiting one more year. Um, <laughs> But we still, I mean, we still had the run of the town. And had I not been older and I'd have got that job at 22 or 23 years old, my course probably would have taken a whole different turn. And it might not have been for the better. I don't know. Yeah, no doubt. You know, you, it, it, you have no idea why things lay out the way they do in your life, um, but they just seem to. And, and like you said, I, you know, I think it's, it's important to understand, you know, what it is that you're good at, what, what you have to offer and what you're willing to do in order to enjoy where you're working at. I think, you know, we could all go work for X amount of money in order to 
purchase the things that we want to purchase or, or live the way we want to live, travel, whatever, but are we actually going to enjoy what we're doing just to, just to take that yes. paycheck? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> Cause you, like you say, there's, there are trade-offs to it. And, and I had this conversation with somebody a couple of, a couple of days ago, coaching has, has always allowed me, the means, especially as a strength coach, <laughs> I'm taught, I'm preaching to the choir here now because I'm preaching to strength coaches. We're there when nobody else is there, right? I, I always we laugh about it, but it's the truth. Your holidays, maybe Memorial Day, and Fourth of July. That that's that's your guaranteed holidays. The rest of them are not guaranteed. Whether you're in the NFL. Uh, high school level and do playoffs and stuff. Guess what? There, there are no vacations. I, I always tell the story that I had one of my aunts ask me when I was with the Cowboys, are you coming to the house Thanksgiving? Uh, I don't know. What are y'all going to be doing? <laughs> Watching the cow. Oh yeah. You're going to be working, you know? So yeah. So it, coaching has always afforded me the means to buy a vacation house. It just never provided me a way. I didn't have vacations, right? We, we, yeah. we stole those times and I wouldn't trade. Listen, I wouldn't trade it for the world. 27 seasons, whatever it was that I was actually on the floor at that level, 445 in the morning. Every morning, I didn't care. That was my job. I loved it. And and it didn't matter if it was 7 o'clock at night, 8 o'clock at night. We always talk about it. 60 hours a week, 80 hours a week just depends on what time of the year it is. Didn't matter what I was getting paid. I wasn't getting paid by the hour. I'm, I'm, my butt's going to be out there, and you're going to get the same coaching that first group at 545 in the morning as you get at 6 o'clock with the group, the last group of the day. That that's That's my job. Uh, and that's my staff job. And so I wasn't always, I'm not really hard on my staff, but they have that level of standard that we hold to, right? We're coaching them up at six o'clock at night, like we are at six o'clock in the morning after 10 groups. It, that's just the way it is. That's the job. So uh, I wouldn't, I would not have traded it. And again, like you say, there's always a higher power that guides you in these places because everything that I've ever done in this business and prior to this business has led me to that next spot and not knowing it, you know, moving to places I had never even dreamed I was going to live, much less be there for a while and make it home, man, it's, it's worth it. It was, it was worth it. Even if I wasn't making the kind of money I thought I should be making. Yeah. So, you, you know, you, you talk about starting late. How much did having your own business and having those employees under you and being successful with it, how much of that, you know, help build you and kind of play in once you started down that strength conditioning path and then began to become more in charge of uh, teams and then eventually becoming the head guy and then yeah. kind of the, now where you're at? Yep. Um, man, that's a great question. That's a great question. And I, and I, 
if you would have asked me that five years ago, I might not have been able to tell you, right? Because I didn't relate it. And I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and throw one of my mentors out there right now. There's a, there's a, a gentleman who I, I'm honored to call a friend now who is retired captain in the Marine Corps. He was a force recon Marine and he does a team building leadership deal. His name is Eric Kapitulik. I, I, I encourage every one of you to, to look him up and, and see what they do. But their whole premise um, with their team building and their leadership with athletes at the college level is about being good teammates and great team leaders. And the team leaders, the only thing that separates a team leader from a great teammate is their ability to take care of others and to make sure that they have everything they need to accomplish the mission. I look back on that now and you ask me that question now is it's directly of that owning my business goes and being successful at it goes hand in hand with what he was teaching to coaches and to athletes. Because my sole purpose, I had people depending on me to, for them to get their paycheck, right? And so I have to take care of myself, but I also have to make sure that that 30 or 40 employees at the time were, had theirs. And, and sometimes that meant, even as a business owner, that meant working all night to get something uh, produced and get it out to get it shipped, knowing that I had people that had to be paid at the end of the month or the end of the week. So that order had to be out on time for those vendors to pay us for that kind of stuff. And so it, it taught me a lot about, and my dad, my, my dad was part of it. He came into my business a couple of years into it, um, was a huge influence on me of like, we have to take care of our people. No matter what, we have to take care of our people. Um, because they're the ones that ultimately are, are bringing in the paychecks are bringing in, you know, the revenue for us. If, if they're not producing the goods, we're not shipping the goods. If we're not shipping the goods. There's nothing coming in. So, but I, like I say, you fast forward 30 something years to being around that group and them teaching the importance of a leader being able to hold themselves to a high standard, hold their teammates to the same, same standards, but, also being able to accomplish a mission and take care of their team. And that's for me, transitioning from work into the head coach's position across those deals. Um, it helped me manage staff. And it, I think it helped me transfer that and teach that to them when they're going to have staffs, right? We're, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I won't do myself. But we're going to share the load here. I'm going to delegate things, and I expect you to delegate things, right? We're not. I'm not asking you to do everything by yourself. But you know, this is a team effort. It's always going to be a team effort. We're all going to participate in it. And I learned that again from another, you know, from some of my other mentors. Is you know, Coach Coach Joe Jurassic with the Cowboys. He was with OU, where I was actually going to OU. Mark Paulson at New Mexico. Denny Bonowitz at North Texas those guys. And again, I was older, right? If I'd have been in there as a 19, 20 year old, 21 year old GA or something like that, 
their things with me probably would have been more task oriented. But because I was older, they allowed me to do things and grow and make those mistakes on my own and say, hey, you know, what do you think about doing it this way? And, and allowed me to do those things. So I consequently, even with my younger staff, I, I kind of allowed them the same leeway. I would take some of my younger staff and say, okay, you have tennis or cross country, whatever it is, put me a plan together, put it together, the whole thing, bring it to me. Let's sit down and I will say, I, I like this. I don't like this. Tell me what you think about this. What if we change that? I'm going to let you have your ability to, to learn and grow. If I just put the piece of paper in front of you and said, take them through it, I'm not helping you grow. And again, you know, we kind of go back to what we were talking about. My goal is just like you would yard with your kids. I just hope you make more money than I make. And I'm not going to be sad or vindictive when you end up at Alabama and I'm at Alabama State. No offense, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think that that's such, a, that's such an important thing for you to, to, to profess on this because I think too many times, the, and I don't want to just say older because of age, but guys that, even guys that are the same age, um, in this profession, whether it's strength conditioning or, or sport coaches in general, they, it's like, you can get yours up to a point, but if you surpass me and I believe that I'm better than you, I can't celebrate that. I can't celebrate you, Yes, you know, but, and that's, it's so crazy. Cause that's such a, that's such a backwards way. And I get it. Like, when you get passed up for jobs and you've been working your butt off and you've got these qualifications, you've got all this stuff. Sure. I understand that. But just because you don't have it at that moment in time, doesn't mean that you won't get it later. Could just mean that you're not ready for it. And you thought you were, and you just weren't. I mean, I've, I've gotten denied some, some job opportunities that I thought I was well qualified for. Um, but ultimately yep. it wasn't meant to be, um, yep. you know, I wouldn't trade any of any of the jobs that I've had the opportunity to, to be at, yep. uh, you know, uh, going to West Mesquite when I did allowed me to create a relationship with you. Had I gone earlier when there was an opportunity that had arisen, I don't know that I would have still been there when you entered in. Yep. So yep. we may never have this conversation. This yep. podcast had, may have never been, you know, brought to brought together had I never gone to Crandall high school and, yes. and met the guy that twisted my arm to do this deal. So it's, you know, where it ends up in the end is it's a nice deal. Of course you get a little bit more time to sit and reflect when you go up to uh when you go up to the mountains and get away from the world. But you know, <laughs> it, that's where I, I, you know, me and uh, and our good friend uh, Steve Fox, we, we joke about the things that you get to do and we kind of live vicariously through you, uh, whether it be your car collection uh, <laughs> or, or, you know, getting away. And I know y'all get real fired up on, on hockey. Um, I, you know, I've, I just never had a team. We had the arrows growing up in Houston yeah. but outside of that. You know, I, I don't really lay claim to the stars. I'm not a Dallas guy. I'm, I'm Houston yeah. born and bred. So the wife and I, uh, butt heads on everything regarding sports. I just, I will cheer for the stars. 
Um, but that's about the only Dallas team that I'll cheer for because it doesn't conflict with anything regarding Houston. But there you, you know, go. Outside of that, um, but yeah, you know, it, it, there's no there's no shame in celebrating someone else's success. Um, no, you want it. You want it for your kids. Why wouldn't you want it for your staff? And again, I, I don't, I, I don't want to go off the ledge here, but I don't know how many times that I've seen outside looking in, whether it be a position coach or an assistant coach at said university, leave for a better job. And we're not talking about lateral moves here. We're talking about a better job and just get berated by the head coach for leaving. That, that just, that makes no sense to me. That makes no sense. That'd be like you grounding or disowning your child because they got a better job than you did. That just makes no sense that in my mind, that just says, dang, I trained him well or yeah. her well. And, and I tell them all the time. And again, I believe this too. And, this is kind of going in a different direction here, but it's like you said, the coaching profession, especially strength coach, strength coaching position is kind of a different animal in the fact that, and we, I've had this conversation with my significant other. Well, why can't you just get a job? Do you, why can't you just get a job closer to home? Why can't you get a job closer to Dallas? Why can't you get a, at the time, I had to explain, do you understand there are, at that time, there are 119 jobs in the United States doing what I do. 119, there's 119 division one universities. There's 119 head strength coaches. That's it. You go where the job is. It's just like being in the military. You go where the job goes, right? And, and so, yeah, those are things that you kind of have to consider, but again, you also have to embrace, right? You got to, like I say, every place I've ever been, every stop, and again, this is a mentality I got after a couple of stops. And when I go into an interview, I go into the interview thinking and pre and presenting to them, but I go in, truly go into the job thinking, this is the last job I'm ever going to have, right? I want to be here for the next 20 years. I want them to say, you know, you're getting too old for this. How about taking over the golf team? You know what I'm saying? Like I have never gone someplace where it's been thinking about, okay, what's my next job? How do I get a better job? Because again, I came from a time where those jobs were very limited. And so I was happy with the job I had. And again, it doesn't matter about pay. It doesn't matter about hours. It doesn't matter about anything. It's like, this is what I do. And this is what I'm always going to do. So if I do it here for 20 years, so be it. Yeah. You know, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't know how I got, like you say, I don't know how I got off on that, but the bottom line is like, pump your brakes, enjoy what you're doing. And yes, the, those opportunities will come. Those opportunities will come. And that's what I tell my young staff, you know, because I've had them say to me, I've, I've had a first year J goes, I'm not going anywhere for less than $8,000. Like, well, you might as well, you might as well finish your education and get a job because you may or may not. Yeah. But 
at the same time, yeah, you got to have goals. You got to have those things that you really want to do. But I've, it, I'm not saying I lived in the moment. I'm just saying every place I've gone to, whether it's Minnesota, upstate New York, Houston, wherever it was, I wanted to be there for the rest of my career. I wanted to retire there. I wanted to retire there. And sadly in our profession, that's not your choice most of the time anymore. No. No, not even at the high school level. That's no. that's not a, you know, it's it's an unfortunate deal. Uh, you know, I, I, we we're we're happy here in Central Texas, and and I'm I'm wanting to stay at Hendrickson High School as long as they'll have me. Um, you know, I I have no desire to to look elsewhere. Um, you know, I, I, I always network more so to gain knowledge and 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 to build relationships, um, not to see, you know, who could potentially put me in a better or, or who could, you know, help me get paid more, you know, at, at least the deal for, uh, you know, for teachers and coaches is, you know, outside of, of a few districts, you're going to get pretty much the same pay. So, you know, you can kind of take yep. the money thing out of it yep. to an extent, obviously, you know, you factor in cost of living and wherever you're at and travel, but, you, know, you take the money thing out of it, then you look at okay, uh, or who am I working with? Who am I working for? What kind of kids do we have? You factor all those other things. Where I'm at right now is is great. Um, you know, I have a great principal. Uh, I got a head coach that's given me more responsibility uh, in regards to strength conditioning, uh, building more trust with some of the other sport coaches, um, and I'm getting to coach defensive line, and I love it. It's great, yep. and I and then I get to coach throwers, and I've got a, a a senior girl now who shows up and and buys into the weight room, and um, I need to finish the program for her and send her that so she can do something in the summer. Yep. But at the same yep. time, I'm also like, you know what? I want her to be a kid. Like, it's so you you know we're going we're going to yes. have a long long time before we got to be at our peak in in March. Yes in April for, for yes. track and field. So enjoy the summer. You yes. know, go, be, go be a kid. It's, I think yes. I saw something, I saw it the other day and then I saw it, somebody else had posted it today. And so then I just recommented on Facebook, but I was like, the, the post was regarding a devastating loss for an eight U saw that literally. And I was like, oh, it's not devastating. Like that. Don't get me wrong. Like, like you talked about earlier, I, I was probably a worse athlete than you were, and I was five nothing, about two hundred in in high school, um, and I was always the pudgy guy, you know, one of the last ones taken, even and, and I was a terrible little league baseball player. Um, I just played for the free snow cone after the game. I'll be honest. So for me, it yes. was never it was never really devastating, but but I had I had friends who took it. Um, who took it to heart. And, and I get that. Um, and I'm not knocking those kids that just have a true passion for it. Cause I've seen them, but when the passion exists more in the parents than it does in the kid, that's sad. You, and, and you hit the nail right on the head. It's not devastating for him. It's devastating for you. And you're projecting that onto him and you're doing a huge disservice to him like that. And again, I'm not going to, I'm not telling you how to parent. I'm just telling you how, I was raised, 
by two strong male figures in my life and my grandfather and my father who were athletes. I was never forced to be an athlete. I, I chose to be an athlete. I got to choose the sports I wanted to play. And they were both baseball people. And when I decided I wanted to not play baseball anymore in, in high school, there was never a word said about it, right? And so, like I say, you and I played sports all our lives. I played multiple sports. <laughs> Again, we're not talking about how many years I've been on this earth, but I was not, I look on it right now and I have not been traumatized by any loss in my lifetime. I'm just not. Well, okay. NFC championship game. I was pretty traumatized by, <laughs> but, but you know, I was like, I'm going to the Super Bowl. No, but yeah, I, I as a kid, no, I was traumatized by a lot of other things, but a, a game was never one of them because my, my parents never put that pressure on me to be that. And I, and again, that's a generational thing, coach, that we have to take in consideration, especially guys in your position and the young coaches, you have to take that in consideration that that's what these kids are dealing with. And it's just like you said, you want this athlete who you know would push herself. I need you to have time. And and I, to the day I walked off the floor full time five years ago, when we went to off season or summer workouts, and, and you've heard me say it, you give me two hours a day, four days a week for the next six weeks, right? I, I need you to have a life. I need you to go to the river. I need you to go wherever you want to do, go out with your buddies, do whatever you need to do, but you got to be ready to go for those four mornings at six o'clock in the morning, wherever it is. So I always just tell them like, listen, Friday's for you. Saturday's for recovery. Sunday's for coach. You better be thinking about six o'clock on Monday morning. You better be recovered. You better be rehydrated and stuff like that. But I need you to have a life. And that's where I think, and again, we're kind of crossing over the fence here. That's where I think this year-round sports thing is killing kids. Not because of the physical part of it. Come on, man. They, they're, they're as resilient as, you, as any being on the planet. You, you can't physically wear them out. You, you can overuse injury, some of them, because they're doing specialized stuff and they're doing repetitive movement with the single plane of motion. I get it. But you're mentally frying them. You, you, you're taking the fun of the game away from them. And, you know, we always go back to that deal where I try to explain this the best I can is, is if you would take all the money that you're spending on pitching lessons and hitting lessons and all this other worthless stuff that you're spending money on your kid at eight, nine, 10 years old, you put that in the bank, he wouldn't need, he or she wouldn't need a scholarship. They would be playing for the love of the game. They could go to any college they walk, want to and walk home to any sport they want to, especially when it comes to like baseball and stuff like that, where there's five full scholarships and 30 kids on a roster. Guess what? You're not getting a full ride. Yeah. And guess what? If you're a high school football player, there's a less than 2% chance you're going to get a full ride at any college, a less than 2% chance. Take the money, put it in the bank. Let them be kids. Let them, let them develop. And again, yeah. that's what you and I talked about earlier, kind of off the, off the cuff before we started. 
we're becoming, our kids are becoming very skilled dominant. So it's an utmost importance that our community as a whole and strength and conditioning sports performance understands that we got to start making up for that. They're going to start practicing at a sport at six, seven years old. Yeah, they're going to have fun doing it, but they're practicing a skill. The athletic development that you and I had growing up as a kid, they don't have, they don't play multiple sports. So I can say we have to, we have to teach kids how to change directions. Now we learn how to change directions playing tackle metal football with 50 kids on a playground after lunch. You learn how to change directions. Yep. It was just that. by doing it. It was wall ball. You learned how to yes. you, learned, you learned how to dodge things. You learned how to uh like I said, this just that stuff that just came natural. Heck, you figured out how to climb the monkey bars and yes. and, and if you fell down what's the best way to fall depending on where you're at the surface and, um, and all that, you know? Uh, so yeah, it, it, it is a definitely, like you said, a necessary gap that we need to, to decrease and, and bridge uh, for the athletic development. So, yes. you know, let's, let's kind of spin it forward. Yep. Um, you know, I think we talked about it at the very beginning, um, in terms of where, where it is that you want to see, and we've alluded to it just here recently, but where do you want to see, and let, let's just go away from the words strength conditioning, but just athletic performance. That, yes. and, and let, let's go in that, in that term terminology, where do you want to see athletic performance in the school setting progress to? And how do you think we can get there in an efficient way? Uh, honestly, Coach, the, the biggest deal is, is it has to be simple, right? We, we have to go back and teach those basic things that we just talked about. I have, from experience, I have 19 and 20-year-old college basketball players or volleyball players who literally can't jump or land correctly. And, and this just because they skill, skill, skill. And so those, that force production, force absorption that you would get by like we did, swinging as high as you could and jumping out of a swing set and landing, you learn how to absorb force doing that stuff. Or if you fall off, you're up on the garage, you fall off, you learn how to absorb force. So we have to teach those things now. We have to teach things to kids um, that we didn't have to teach before. And that's what we have to do. We have to funnel it into, like you said, proper push-ups. I don't care if you start with planks. I don't care if you start with push-ups on a slight incline at the edge of a bench. Those basic movements and basic biomechanical skills and muscle patterns they need to do when they get to the weight room, they need to be doing right now. It, like you said, it may never have a weight in their, in their, his or her hands. That comes with correct muscle patterning and they're not getting it right now because they're practicing soccer. They're practicing baseball. They're practicing basketball. They're practicing even at the littlest, at the littlest level. And here's what I know from science part of it. And, and I'm 
huge believer in it, but I was taught by my biomechanics and my phys ed teacher or a, a, a sports performance teacher at college that those motor pathways that a kid has are wide open from about the time they hit the ground, right? Th those motor pathways are wide open and they're huge. And so those pathways develop through repetition and stuff like that. And they're open until probably mid-teens. They're still open, but they're not near as wide. They're not near as acceptable because they've been patterned in the wrong way, right? And so I guess what I'm saying is, is because we're not targeting those specific things and kids are not free playing at stuff, they're not playing multiple sports, those pathways are very narrow and they're very focused on one particular movement. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm making sense. Oh, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Because I always think about as as I've put myself more and more into into the science side of strength conditioning. Um, you know, you look back and like nobody teaches a baby how to crawl, walk, stand. That's yep. done by themselves. Yep. Nobody teaches a baby how to squat, and this and and a, and a baby squatting is is the best anatomical squat you have in your entire life. Yeah, you know, there's no aside, question about it. Aside from the butt wink when it's a full diaper, yeah, you know, it's that's right. So why you know, and, and obviously we, we talked about it. At some point, you you disengage from those those learned patterns. Because you start learning other things be, for you know whatever it is. Obviously, one of the worst things that that feeds the lack of is, is technology. Um, you know, it's a gift and a curse. But when you're staring down at a screen the whole time and you're not out moving yep. around, shoot, you're, you're just not going to get better. Um, you know, and for me in my generation, you know, we were kind of the last we were the last generation to have that. We played outside till the lights came on, but yep. your buddy also had a game system. Uh, so you, you know, some days you were more outside, other days you were more inside. We yep. also had, you know, the, the dial up, you know, CD ROM that you stuck in the deal and yep. made the horrible, horrible noise and, and the, the spinning wheels of death. So internet for us was like, just a, a legit complete luxury. I mean, it's yep. still technically still is now, but it's nothing where it was uh, back in the early nineties, late eighties. So, you know, hell you had to plug in a floppy disk. Yeah. Hard disk to, to, to play Oregon trail. And you hope that uh, the computer didn't die before you did. Yeah. But, yeah. But, you know, it's, it, it's, it's just crazy to me. And I think about, I, I think about that a lot in terms of, you know, if I'm ever blessed with kids and I'm, I would want to make sure that whatever pattern of, of movement my child were to develop, that I would ensure that they stay and can stay consistent with that path. Like I would want to be cognizant of making sure that I didn't 
break them of good habits that they seemingly naturally develop. That, that, yes. Um, I would want to yes. enhance it. Of course, for me, it'd be different because I have a greater science understanding. Yep. Um, you know, and I think about my, my two nephews in Virginia, you know, I, I hope that I can have an influence on them as they develop. Um, I'll get to see them here in July. Uh, so I want to, you know, once once an in, uh, small infant, he's not even one yet. So he's, he's barely on the move. The other one's approaching two years old. So he's well on the move, but I see him, you know, when my sister FaceTimes, man, he's, he's squatting, he's, he's lifting things. He's, you know, um, I look at, uh, our offensive line coach's son, who I think is approaching one years old. And heck the other day, he deadlifted a five pound dumbbell yeah. I think with one hand, uh, you know, but it was perfect form. That's the whole deal. Like that, that, that you, <laughs> your brain is wired for your body to work like you say and it develops and that's what we're talking about those motor pathways are wide open when they're developing and they develop those skills on there's nobody in the world has taught their kid how to do a backflip on a bicycle nobody they do it they learn how to do it they see it on tv they do it right so those pathways are open for those things but they're also open for when they get to the point to where we're starting trying to teach them things, if we teach them the wrong thing, that it's very hard to repattern that when they get to be the age where you and I may see them in a weight room or may see them on a football field or on a basketball court, right? It's real hard for us to change that muscle pattern that's wrong into right. Perfect example, and, and coach, you probably know this, you, you could line said team up at the ninth grade level right now and probably 75 percent of them can't can't hip hinge correctly and body squat correctly not because they're anatomically not able to do it they just never been they've never been patterned to do it and then we want to throw again i'm not saying a ton of weight then we want to throw on a bar on their back and say, okay, we're squatting today. You're leading them down the wrong path in the wrong direction. Those motor pathways have to be developed and developed correctly. And that again, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, you probably don't lift weights until your growth plate, but you know, well, yeah, that's part of it. Now we know from experience the biomechanical awareness and the and the muscle patterning had to be correct before I put it on there. Doesn't matter if your growth plates growth plates are are finished or not. I'm not going to put a bar on your back until you can do a proper body weight squat. Push your yeah. butt back, sit down, wiggle your toes. Yeah. But like I say, I watch eighth and ninth graders in the weight room sometimes, and and I'm just like, we got to take a step backwards. Folks, we got to take a step backwards. Now, the hard part is, and I'm not saying the people who are involved in that with at the coaching level are not qualified, but I don't think they understand the importance of what you and I are just talking about. Our strength coaches do. I, my hope is for every high school in the state of Texas to have a strength and conditioning coach. My second hope is that people will listen to him or her. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, yeah. 
that's that's where I want to see this industry grow. And I want it. I, I'm I'm I love the fact that there's a high school organization now. I love the fact that you guys have that network and and stuff going. I love to just I, I try to just sit back and I try not to put any input in any of it, but I love reading it because you are in it for the right reasons. And I don't want to step on your, I don't want to step on your dreams by going, Hey, I get it. Your other strength coach get it. The hardest part you'll ever do is getting your coaching, your head coach or your athletic director to buy into what you're preaching. Right. Because it's a different generation. And you and I have talked about this before. Well, are you running the same offense you ran in 1992? Well, no. Well, <laughs> yeah, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that that the strength and conditioning part, the sports performance part, has kind of outgrown what you did with your state championship in 1997 team, right? So, yeah, you got to go. And again, as come on, I've got a lot of experience of that, and I've had to shake my head and go, yeah, I understand. And then go and plan my deal to know that I'm going to cover what I need to cover and still give them what they want. And that just, that comes with experience, <laughs> you know, yeah. that just comes with the experience and how to do it. I mean, I don't know if I really answered your question. We, we have to like, we have to funnel kids now in the correct. And I say kids, I'm talking about developmental. So that all the way through high school, in the correct, the correct way, because we do have kids. We're in that transition phase where we can develop the young kids. And yes, three years from now, they will be a different group of ninth graders than you have right now. But your ninth and tenth graders right now have those same problems that we're talking about, and you have to address those. You can't just skip over them, because now when you send them to college, I, I'm not saying this to beat my chest, but understand something. When you send those kids to me at college, we start them at block zero because we have to completely repattern. And it takes a heck of a lot more time to repattern at 19 than it does at nine. So that's why I'm really excited about the strength coach industry in the high school level expanding because now as a college coach, I don't have to. And I love, and again, Joe Ken is the master at this deal. I think him every day that he developed block zero and he was able to kind of get it going at Arizona state and just kind of expanded as he went and kind of saw it take fire at the right time. But man, that's where we have to go. And it, and it's a lot easier to go block zero with nine, six, seventh, eighth and ninth graders than it ever is with, freshmen in college because they get frustrated because they're not getting to do anything well because we're not going to allow you to do it wrong we're going to pattern we're going to rechain we're going to change the patterning and then we're going to sit you but then we're going to set you free and and, and ultimately they'll be better because of it. they're going to be stronger because of it. they're going to be less injured because of it because we have the ways and means as strength coaches at college where we have a larger staff to take the time to make those patterns correct with a group of incoming freshmen, no matter what sport, no matter what gender. So yeah. that's what I, I want people 
that's the first thing for me. I want my developmental coaches right now at the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade levels to understand. Do you understand that? I'm doing this in college. So I want you to do it now. They don't believe me that I have incoming freshman football players that we forced to body weight squat until we know that they're doing it right. I love the fact that you uh, are excited about, you know, like NHSCA and, and the things that are going forward in that. And, um, you know, I, I'm a recent joined member of it, but, but I think that there is as much as we're, you know, promoting that younger crowd, I think it's still important to hear, you know, the seasoned voices, um, you know, just to, just to pass on wisdom as well as encouragement. So I think it's great, you know, that you work, that you watch from afar, but, you know, I, I for one would be happy to listen to, to you talk about things, um, you know, particularly, you know, your, your emphasis on, on the younger levels and, and helping get that going and, and pushing it towards a greater and have and to having a greater emphasis, uh, especially for those, coaches that are down there at the junior highs to understand what they have in terms of opportunity to make those kids better. Cause to me, as those kids get promoted grade level to grade level, you know, it's the same, it's no different than me as a sport coach and a strength coach. If I send a kid to college, I want, I want that college coach to see that kid and go, okay, I know he was coached up, right. He's, he's, he, he, ha- he already has a good foundation in the weight room and he's got a good foundation for the yes. field. Yes. That's, that would, that's my ultimate goal. I don't care yes. how many I send and what level I send them, but I want them to know if they get a kid that has been touched by me, that kid knows how to move in the weight room properly and he yep. knows how to move on the field properly. And I'll be honored. I'll be real honest with you. I'm glad you said that because that's all as strength coach, that's all I wanted. I, that's all I wanted because I can take that kid and or that athlete and 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 develop them into what they need to be for the collegiate level, right? If they have that base knowledge, it's a lot easier for me to do that. And so, yeah, I talk about the middle schools, but I developed this from a uh, not self-serving, but, but from an aspect of. What am I, what can I do right now? So the job, like you say, the job I'm in right now. So I've transitioned from division one strength coach to head of sports performance and nutrition for the Mesquite school district. So I went into that job and even in the interview said, this is what I want to do. I want to prepare the sixth, seventh and eighth graders for ninth and 10th, 11th grade. And I want those ninth, 10th, 11th graders to develop to be ready when they go to make that transition. That's my job. That, that's your job as a coach, whether you're a sport coach or whether you're a strength coach, is you want to prepare them for the next level. And I, I tell coaches this all the time, especially my developmental coaches, my dealing with youngers. I was in on the floor active for 27 years at the collegiate professional level, and not one time in 27 years did I ask or care what an eighth or ninth grader benched or squat. I don't care. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. What I want to do is, is like, can they do it correctly? Because I really don't care. And I know, you know, and from a recruiting standpoint, when we go through those meetings, I would still hear about, yeah, this kid's a 400, uh, you know, 450 squadron. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But 
that means nothing to me until I see him, right? Because he may be a 600 squatter if we fix what's wrong with him. If we don't, if he's got stuff, if we have something to address and we have to address it, then he may top at five. I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I just, again, I, 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 I like talking to about this stuff because I still know and I, the importance of it. But here's the other deal is, is guess what? Those people and coaches who I mentioned earlier that mentored me gave me the same information, right? My job is to pass it on. I'm, I'm done on the floor as much as I think I could still do it. And I probably could. My job now is to really coach coaches to help them. And you guys talked about, you talked about earlier about the network. The network is strong. My network never got me a job. I never had one coach who called another coach and said, you need to hire this guy. But those opportunities were afforded. Those, those jobs were afforded to me by, Hey, I got a lead on a job for you. Are you interested? Yes. If you're interested, I'll let them know that you're going to apply. Right. And then you're on your own. But like you said, those not, those networks are important for that. And I know that's a different path, but I, I just thought about that. It's like we talked about the network a while ago. That's why it's so strong for you guys to, to, to do that stuff. And you can pass on the information that, that my contact information, I'll talk, you know, me, I can't, can't shut up now. I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I'm the same way with when we sit down the coaching staff, I get a coaching staff. We start talking about this stuff. Because there's yeah. so much that I want to pass on that was passed on to me that's going to ultimately help your kids and help you as a coach and help them succeed in what they want to do. You know, I, I was given the knowledge and I'm passing it on to anybody who's willing to listen. And I don't have all the answers, but experience teaches you a lot and what's important and what's not important and what you can skip and what you can't skip. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll put your email in the, uh, in the show notes and anybody wants to reach out to, to coach Cundiff and just, just pick his brain. It's worth your time. Thanks for checking out the podcast today. Really hope you enjoyed today's guest. Don't forget to leave a like and a review we are on spotify apple podcast google play podcast wherever you get your podcast fix from ratings and reviews really help us reach more viewers peace out have a nice day be the change you want to see in the world